everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. This episode will introduce you to an emerging movement of God happening across the country and around the world. There's a kingdom force of Christians from different generations, ethnicities, and backgrounds who are integrating their faith and influencing their marketplace context for Christ. You'll hear more about this movement from Wayne Schmidt, the General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church. Then we'll hear David Drury, the Chief of Staff of the Wesleyan Church, interview Trent Daly about his journey as President and CEO of Insurance Management Group. Finally, Wayne will join again to give some reflections on the interview and share more about what's ahead. Welcome to the first episode of the Marketplace Multiplier Podcast. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm the Associate Head Basketball Coach at Indiana Wesleyan University, and I'm here with Wayne Schmidt, the General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church. In Marketplace language, that would be the President of the Wesleyan Corporation. Uh, Wayne, I've been journeying with you for several years now and seen firsthand your passion for the Marketplace Multiplier Movement, and we're going to get into the movement itself more in a little bit, but why don't you start by just sharing why this movement is so close to your heart? Well, this has been part of my early journey in life. Um, I grew up in a business person's home, and uh, so all of those years, uh, seen what it was like to have influence for Christ in the realm of business. And then at the age of 12, because my dad was a builder, I started sweeping floors and pounding nails and working with him and saw how he interacted with other marketplace multipliers. And then I was a business major in college and heading towards being in business myself when God changed my direction to vocational ministry. But since then, I've kept the passion for the power of the marketplace and the opportunity it has for disciple making. And what reinforces that is I've been in an accountability relationship for over 35 years now. And my accountability partner is Paul Anthes. We meet every other week. He owns his own business. And I see in him every time we meet that same passion and sense of calling for seeing people impacted for Christ that I have in vocational ministry. So it's like it goes all the way back to my childhood, but it gets reinforced every time I meet with my accountability partner. It's really uh, amazing to hear you talk about Paul because I, I know Paul as well and see that so clearly. But what's unique is you are in a position where I would assume you lead pastors, mm-hmm. but you're also meeting with this person who has a passion for marketplace ministry. And my hunch is this has a, a big part of the growing conviction you have. This isn't just a story that uh, is part of who your father wa- was, but it's it's part of what you're seeing as uh, the future of uh, the kingdom. Yeah, that's super important because I did grow up with it, but it doesn't arise out of my journey. It comes out of an even deeper place. I am absolutely convinced if we're going to see a fresh movement of God in our day, it will require the involvement of marketplace people. There's never been a significant movement of God without the significant involvement of people, lay people, beyond the walls of their church. So if the Great Commission's ever going to get done, disciple-making certainly has to happen in the church, but it certainly has to happen beyond the church. And obviously the marketplace provides a great opportunity because that's where people spend a lot of hours every week. I've seen firsthand as 
through this journey, how this is picking up momentum and, and taking the gospel to new places. Why don't you go back and and talk listeners through the journey of Marketplace Multipliers and how we got to the point we're at right now? So when I was a local church pastor, I met with a group of business owners that I discipled. Uh, and when I was involved in the seminary, I uh, also, we had programs just for people to lay, lay people to live out their faith in the marketplace. But since I've been in this role, I've been in conversation with marketplace multipliers of all kinds of types, all kinds of backgrounds, and I've come to realize that there is such an opportunity. And Jeff, that fire that goes all the way back to early in life, it's rekindled every time I have one of these conversations with marketplace multipliers. So they've been going on more formally for a couple of years now. And it was uh, in June of 2019 at Amplify, the Billy Graham uh, School there in Wheaton, Illinois, that about 25 met. And most of them were marketplace multipliers. Some were pastors. And that's really where some of the foundational formation of what we're experiencing now was really established. I I was fortunate to be at that event. And it was exciting and energizing for me to see the passion around the room, the capacity, the different types of people in the room. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about the kingdom force, Mm -hmm. uh, what that entails, and then the role that Amplify itself plays in that? So Kingdom Force is a way of us talking about what a movement of God would look like and who would be involved. And we describe that Kingdom Force as being multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-economic, women and men fully empowered to use their gifts, lay and clergy working together in partnership everywhere to everywhere. So this has global possibilities. So even in the group that met uh, there at Amplify last year, the kingdom force was represented in the room. I mean, generational uh, variety, uh, ethnic differences, even some languages, different uh, languages played into it. So it was exciting to see women and men in that context uh, saying we're part of the kingdom force as marketplace multipliers. I remember a line that you shared when uh, you were introducing people around the room and, and you said already at the at, at this first meeting, there's three different countries represented. And as you and I have talked about this, your mind's already in some unknown country <laughs> where the gospel can't go in any other way than through marketplace people. And, and to see both the vision behind that, but also it coming to life even from the start is is really exciting. One of the things about marketplace multipliers is, you know, even in that group, so let's use that as an example. Uh, One of them works in the context of government, another works in the context of healthcare, another in the context of education. You work in the context of athletics and it has tremendous influence in that context. So people work in different contexts Again, women and men, different generations, different economic situations, different positions within. So a marketplace multiplier, there isn't a stereotype of what one looks like, but they have this in common. They have a desire to integrate their faith with their work and a desire to appropriately, graciously be an influence in the lives of others. David Drury is writing a book right now on this topic, and uh, he's gone through and interviewed some of the people that he's going to profile. One of them is Trent Daly. He's a personal friend. I know you've interacted with Trent some, 
And the, the interview we're going to listen to today is some excerpts of their conversation as they talked about this subject. Why are you so excited today to hear from Trent as he talks to David? Well, Trent has a real gift of communicating his own story, and it begins really before he publicly identified as a follower of Jesus, and it, it follows through to where he is today in that journey. And so I love the transparency and humility with which he talks about his journey, but I also love it that Trent's a go-for-it guy. I mean, he he's going to take the kingdom risk. He's going to He's going to keep growing on the path. So I think it's going to be encouraging no matter where the listener finds themselves on their journey. Yeah, I think listeners, as they hear, they'll, they'll see as, as, as a personal friend, Trent's trajectory has just exploded. And he's been willing to take intentional steps of both integrating and influencing at work for Christ. And, and you and I will come back on after this interview and share some, some reflections and thoughts on what he has to say. Brent, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your life and your, your context and, and your work in particular. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in Marion, Indiana. Um, went to school, Marion High School, and soon after went to Purdue University. That's where I went to college with a focus in um, computer information technology. Computers, it was the... I graduated high school in 99, so that was the big craze. You know, computers were everything and uh, ended up graduating... Uh, several years later, um, I took a little bit of a, a break and went and worked out at Microsoft in Seattle for four years. Mm-hmm. So I did an internship out there a few years into school, and um, it was the ultimate dream job. They said, do you want to stay? And I said, yeah. I said, that'd be great. So I went on full-time there for about four years. Uh, about four years in, got to a point to where I really wanted to go back and not be as technical. I was in a very technical role, wanted to be more into um, – project management, more people interaction, I want to use my people skills. So I went back to school, graduated in 07, um, and then I, I joined Insurance Management Group, where I'm at today. Um, that's kind of my uh, professional background. I started out in, I guess I could finish that, I started out in sales. Um, so I came in as kind of bottom of the barrel and worked my way up, earn, earning credibility, because you know leadership is, is earned, it's not really given, and uh, built that with my team, and then got into operations and uh, bought the agency in 2015 and took over as president and CEO. So professionally, that was a a quick snapshot. Um, Spiritually, I was raised uh, Catholic. I went to a Catholic school before Marion until I was in sixth grade. So um, church every Sunday and and, uh, had Christ in my life. Um, During my college years and maybe a little bit of my Seattle years, I kind of drifted. Uh, and you know my whole focus and as I was I was raised in a great family but the focus was get a good job get good grades in school make money money security and that's what you want and so my whole life has been driven around that goal Uh, when I was 34 uh, I woke up and I had bought IMG and okay you know I I had I wasn't buying jets but I had money I, I had success I had the role I wanted I was a business owner and I had achieved every worldly goal I set so for me, it was, um, if I achieve these goals, this is going to bring me joy and happiness. And truthfully, um, I was more miserable then than I was before. You know, the pressures and uh, the things that I was going through at that time, 
Um, I hadn't really given my life to Christ again at that point. I was searching for, you know, more more money, more things, and it, it was I felt more responsibility for people and less hope. Uh, and then within three months, I, I met Jeff Clark, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, then Greg Tonegal, and got introduced into a, a group of people that just changed my life. And I fe- I found shortly after that serving other people brought way more joy than serving myself. And I was serving my own needs for so many years, and and that's still what drives me today. So the last five years now, um, that's been my focus. How can I pursue Christ and integrate him into the, um, in, into the office, into the employees? And how can we create a place that, that really grows and change, changes people? Wow. That it's so powerful to hear how that kind of woke up for you. It's kind of almost like a second awakening in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just your, your own personal spiritual life, but the influence you can have on other people well it it yeah it's been a for me I think in life we chase things so often thinking they're gonna bring us certain things in life and I know all kinds of people if I just lost 15 pounds or I just made this much more money and you get there and you know I think goals are great in life it challenges us to get better but it's who we're becoming in the journey the goals change you know you win a championship they want you to win one next year you know you grow 10% you want to grow 10% more so why are we doing it and how are we being intentional with our interactions amongst each other? I think it's really important. How much more meaning and purpose do you find in integrating your faith and using your influence in your workplace rather than only focusing on the worldly success or just the bottom line? I would say it's everything. Um, what, What God is I think when you pursue God first and you put Him at the forefront, um, that's where all the joy is. You know, for for us, I think at least for me, I'll take you through kind of the phases I went through. Is first, I had to get comfortable in my own skin that I'm a believer and that I'm pursuing God and I'm living out my life in that way. And then I woke up one day and like, well, that's not good enough. In my true fashion. Those that know me know that I'm never satisfied. So. Um, one Sunday night. Have, have you ever noticed like sending emails at night, you know, are a little bit easier than during the day? Like, so I got the confidence up at night and I was like, we're going to start this meeting at IMG. It's called Redefining Greatness. And I sent an email to the entire company and said it's voluntary and uh, didn't give a lot of details, but everyone showed up on Monday. <laughs> I said, guys, I think we need to grow together. And, and I think God has put us here to connect with one another and to help each other in this journey. And we're going to get together and we're going to talk about what what God's doing in our lives. We're going to share. We're going to talk about the gospel. And this is voluntary and you can come or not come, but I would love to grow with you. And that was about 15 months ago. Um, So that was kind of the first big step of integration for us. And we've had some just incredible testimonies and some influence. And God's worked in ways through the company that I couldn't have imagined. And um, when he's in control, uh, I think it gives you a freedom of not feeling like, you have to do everything. It takes some pressure off it. People a lot of times ask, like, how do you deal with it? And, you know, 60 employees and all these companies. And truthfully, for me, it's it it's not very stressful because when you give it to him, it's, it's so much easier. Um, and then most recently, we just introduced prayer into our, um, our executive team is praying every single morning. Uh, we get together um, and we just sit down and we pray for the company and pray for the people and really try to discern God's direction. So it's been a stepping stone. Um, there's a lot of fear with the workplace and things that can get intertwined. But each time that 
Um, I feel called to take that next step and just listen and sit back and watch what God's doing. It's just incredible the way he works. So you mentioned the bottom line in your discussion of satisfaction. I love what you're saying there and that it's more looking at the whole thing. And most people, when they study even without thinking of faith, uh, when they study successful companies, it's more of a culture that has birthed success mm-hmm. and a culture that, um, that satisfaction is not just the bottom line. And people that only are striving at the bottom line tend to not do well even when you don't bring faith into it. So I imagine the integration produces more excellence, which is a little what you're saying. 100%. Yeah, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. It's important. Profit's important. So any business owner will tell you sustainability, you know, you want to be profitable to be sustainable, but truly um, you want to have enough cash and different things, but there's really no security. I mean, anything can happen. Any industry can change, but right. you do want to run a business that um, is best in class. And so we strive in that too. I mean, we're we're striving for best in class from everything we do. We compare our numbers against the industry for all the different you know, expenses we run every, so we do strive for excellence. We have a lot of great people in there, but we, we try, we don't forget why we're doing it. Yeah. And you're, it doesn't sound like you're not just sitting in a circle singing kumbaya. Uh, no. It has all those drivenness uh, that any company might look like it. The motivation seems to be a little mixed in with this integration of your faith though. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Our, we have dashboards and scoreboards of what success looks like and what goals everybody needs to hit. I mean, you take a company goal and you say, okay, to hit this company goal, what does this group of people have to do in order to hit this? And they have those measures, we call them leading measures, and the next group, the leading measures. So um, from a business systems, like I look at it two ways, the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. The science of achievement and being successful in this world, I don't believe is the difficult part. I think the biggest failure is when you achieve and you're not fulfilled. I think that's the greatest the greatest failure. And the problem is is a lot of times we're chasing the achievement and things and different stuff and we wind up getting there and we're not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So um, for us, it's yes, we know how to achieve and we're gonna continue to achieve. By God's grace, he's gonna bless that and hopefully it, it goes where we would like it to go, but um, we have to be willing to accept that if, if that's not the case. And that's. I haven't been faced with that yet, so that'll be a hard one if, if so, but um, so far he's he's been very, very grateful. Yeah, it'll be a, a test some year, if, you know, six, seven years from now, eight months from now, where the, the dashboards look bad, and that could be external or internal factors, but uh, then it sort of tests it and say, okay, how do we still strive for excellence? 100%. But have the culture eat the strategy, yep. uh, not the other way around. And then let me get, maybe paint a picture. What does it look like when... Uh, somebody that's maybe a VP with your company or, or, or somebody, when they walk in on Monday mornings, um, what does it feel like? What's the room look like? And then how does it start? And then how does it feel? Because somebody that might want to do something like this, or maybe even that's not at the top of the food chain, uh, how, would, how would they start it and what would it look like? Hmm. Or at least how did you start it and how did it look like? And they may learn from that. Yeah. Well, I started it with an email um, and uh, I got everyone in the room. And, and I remember that day I was I was pretty timid. I was, you know, uh, I already had the, the love and respect of the people in the room. So I had a good foundation, um, but I was pretty nervous, you know, mm-hmm. and I talked about and I just went into and there's plenty of resources. I'll tell you the the greater movement and redefining greatness is a great platform 
the line versus box mentality gives you a lot of freedom. I don't know if you want me to get into that or not, but yeah, explain um, that. So Christianity in general, a lot of times, especially historically, was looked at from a box standpoint. So you do the do's, you don't do the don'ts. So if I go to church, if I read the Bible, if I do all these things, well, then I'm a Christian. And if I don't do these bad things, I'm not a Christian. And it really takes people, especially if you have a lot of non-Christians in the business, and it kind of puts them outside. And a lot of the things with attendance is people feeling that, well, I, we had people that like, I've never read the Bible. I don't know any stories in the Bible. Uh, we spent a significant amount of time on the Bible project, you know, just watching the videos because they're in. So we would do that, you know, every every now and then. And so um, part of that is so you got the box side. Well, the line mentality is, look, I don't care where you're at on this line. I don't care if you don't know who Christ is. You um, have a strong relationship with Christ or you're, you know, so we just want that willingness to be able to grow and making people not feel like, well, I can't be in the room because I don't know anything about the Bible or I don't know what you're talking about. So trying to give freedom to people, like we just want to meet you where you're at. Do you have interest? Are you, you know, are, are you fulfilled? And, and just trying to have real basic conversations. I'll say another good place to start is just being vulnerable, getting up and telling your story, you know, as a leader to be the first one to step up and say, you know, here are the areas that I struggle. I stood up on Monday and said, guys, I'm struggling with surrender like surrendering my own life and my, my money and, and, and I'm surrendering the company and here's, here's where I'm at. And we spent a whole thing on surrender and people kind of jumped in and I'm, per, I'm sure it was eye-opening for them to see that that's what I was struggling with. So now think of people just like yourself, business owners uh, who have faith and they're trying to figure out how their faith applies to their work and maybe they've sort of partitioned that off. Uh, for years, it's sort of I, I go to church and I give my money there and I support the pastor, but then the rest of the week, uh, or maybe even as soon as I walk out of the door of the church, I'm back in the zone. Uh, what advice would you give to that person who who probably is already wondering, boy, this seems like something I should figure out. I just don't know how to start. I just don't know how to make it a reality for me, and it feels like a whole other job on top of my current job, which is already overwhelming. I would challenge them to, to why, you know, what's holding them back. Is it, is it fear? Is it lack of content? Is it, I, I, I would, I would dig deep, you know, that's where I would start. So the fulfillment you'll get from doing something like that is like no other fulfillment that you'll have. Think about the lives that'll be changed. Think about the person in your office that if they knew Christ, what that would do and how that could shape their entire life, you know, the next 30 or 40 years of their life. Um, so I would find the motivation through thinking about things like that and the opportunity you have to influence for the kingdom. But I would also figure out what's the true reason. Cause it's not really time. It's not, you know, it could be some fear. I mean, there's, there's ways to integrate this. It could be, I don't know what to say. Or I don't know what to do. Well, there's people that will help you. I mean, I'm glad to share, you know, at any point in time, there's other resources or your pastor could give you. Um, there's such an opportunity there. It's, and I think it's going to be different for everybody. I, I don't know. There's a one do, do this and go and get it. But I would say, be courageous. What's the worst that can happen? You sh no, nobody shows up. That's number one. Well, if you're the owner, I guarantee everyone's showing up for the first meeting. Um, but then after that, it's just a matter of, um, believing in yourself. You could fall flat on your face and there's going to be someone in there. That's going to be like, man, I really needed this today. Well, it's so good to hear all of the stories and, and the, the 
kind of the vision you have for how to see this come uh, to fulfillment in a, in a business. It's, it's something that a lot of people talk about, but it feels like you've put your kind of full weight behind. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're back with Wayne Schmidt to hear his reflections on the interview. And Wayne, these two words of integrate and influence have been brought up throughout this episode. What did you hear from Trent? I mean, they really do run through it all. And don't you love how he talks so openly about that journey? I think he captured it really well in one statement he made. He talked about the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. And I love how he holds in tension the, um, the need to be excellent at your work, to be best in class, as he uses that term. I think sometimes we get the idea that um, if you're going to be all in for Christ, you slack off on the quality, the excellence. He's all into the science of achievement and does it very well, engages others in it. But he points also to the ultimate source of fulfillment and where he found that and where he believes every person will ultimately find it. It's interesting to hear you explain that. I, I work as a basketball coach, and our program, we, we live by what we call the I am third philosophy, putting God first, others second, ourselves third. And sometimes I think what people hear is we try to be really nice <laughs> and find the most polite players to put into our basketball program. But when you match that up with the success our program has, that's not the full story. So what might people miss if they focus too much on only influencing or only on integrating and they don't hold the tension of the two? Yeah, I do think the, the genius is in the tension or the balance. You know, being excellent, whether it's basketball, your world, or business, Trent's world, is a form of witness. Uh, we ought to do things for the glory of God. And that ought to call us to the highest level of commitment. So to me, integrating our faith doesn't take the edge off the commitment, the drive that we have to do well. Uh, I, I think it just gives it a deeper purpose and meaning. And at the same time, um, how do you appropriately influence? You could sense Trent trying to work that out with his role you know, in terms of uh, how do I navigate the idea of being uh, an employer? And what really helped me with that was when he talked about line versus box. And you've been with him from the beginning. I sense that's something that is a familiar framework as you've discipled people. Yeah, we use that a lot in coaching our program and and in leading other coaches. There's a there's a hunger across college basketball that we're seeing. It's palpable of people who want to have a greater influence on their athletes for Christ. And what we found in our own coaching journey was we too often coach with this box mentality. So if they made a shot or they uh, followed the rules or did, did the right thing, they were in the box. And as soon as they didn't, we put them outside the box. And this was a, a, an insight that our head coach, Greg Tonegal had, was this lines so much with our walk with Christ and our players walk with Christ. Rather than trying to always judge whether they're in or out, why don't we meet them where they're at? And really through prayer, through influence, try to take them to that next step. And it's been amazing how the potential has just gone through the roof, both in the individual lives of our players and in our program. And walking alongside Trent, it's the same thing where uh, rather than just trying to look a certain way, 
he's really pursued Christ and taken that next step along the line, have seen him go to new levels, both in his faith, but also in his leadership. And it's it's been really fun to journey alongside him in that. But I, you, you may have heard some very similar things as you listen in and as you've watched him from afar. What, what did you hear and what are you seeing with Trent? Yeah, I think that box is something that Trent and other marketplace multipliers can be uncomfortable with. Because, um, you know, they say, well, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. What right do I have to share my faith when I'm not fully there yet? But Trent recognizes the value of people journeying on the line with him versus having to be perfect before you get it all right. The other thing I've found in marketplace multipliers is sometimes they've been embarrassed by how Christians have acted in the marketplace and they don't want to identify with that at all. So when when he was talking about the stages of his development, and you've been through all of those stages as he's walked through those, it just struck me, Jeff, that... Um, He started out by saying, I had to get comfortable with self-identifying as a follower of Jesus. And for a while, he lived in that. And then he kind of came to the conclusion, I've got to get uncomfortable (laughs) in being willing to take some kingdom risks. And I thought, wow, as he talked about the stages, that was a great way of characterizing it for marketplace multipliers. I got to be comfortable with the fact I am a Christian and talking about that, but then I've got to take those kingdom risks. And it really does apply to business, to athletics, to to any of these realms of influence. We're never going to be so much in the box that we know that next step is the perfect step. And there's a there's an element of having the courage to take the step when we feel prompted. And and Trent didn't arrive at this place of perfection before he tried to use his influence for Christ. So how would you speak to that person in a different realm about when to discern and how to know when to take that step and that kingdom risk? Yeah. And again, I would hate to speak for a person in the marketplace because each marketplace context is so unique. And there is such a variety of marketplace context among our marketplace multipliers. But what I saw in Trent was the aha moment of people will learn more if I'm humble and they're journeying with me than if I'm the person who has the, all the answers and has it all figured out. And boy, I have found this so true in my own life. My pressure is I got to be perfect before I do this. And what really connects with people is if you're humble about where you are, but you're also energized about where you are. And that comes through in this interview time and time again, where, yeah, he's he's first to acknowledge I haven't arrived, but boy, I want my executive team, I want my employees, I want those in my sphere of influence to journey with me. It's been fun for me walking alongside Trent to see not only him go to this next level, but also the people around him, the people he leads really take those steps forward and how that's had an impact on the bottom line Mm. in his business as people live more fully into their potential. Wayne, thanks so much for your thoughts today. If you want to learn more about the Marketplace Multiplier Movement, you can go to www.wesleyan.org forward slash mm and be on the lookout for upcoming podcast episodes and Dave Drury's book. Thanks for tuning in.